Happy Saturday morning, Irish fans. It is game day, and this is the Locked On Irish Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Stoked to be with you guys on a game day. Didn't freeze to death last night after covering some high school football, so uh, really stoked to get after the show today. Uh, Pumped to be back with you guys and uh, give you a great show. Yesterday, we previewed uh, Boston College. Today, I'll tell you what we're going to get to is an article that stuck out to me in, you know, in light of Senior Day and uh, everything like that, and, and you always get a little nostalgic when Senior Day rolls around. So Tim O'Malley had an article with uh, irishillustrated.com. He does great work on there, just ranking the Irish seniors in that class of 2016. Uh, we're also going to get back to getting to it yesterday, recapping Notre Dame's whatever that was against Toledo, even though I tried to tell you. I tried, nobody wanted to listen. Tried to tell you it was going to be a tough game. It was going to be real tough. But uh, the Irish got it out, and uh, I'll tell you why I feel like that is definitely that's definitely a win that, that we needed. Um, obviously, we need we need them all. But uh, when push comes to shove and things get tough, I'll tell you why that is definitely a win that uh, we we had to snag. And then I kind of teased the other day. We talked about uh, or yesterday actually talked about jobs that. I just don't think are all that good. And I know there's one in particular floating around out there. I heard Rick Neuheisel say the other day that he thought was a gem, um, a hidden gem in college football. So we'll get to all that and more real soon. In fact, I might just kick off with that, no pun intended. But um, let me get out all the housekeeping stuff, if you will. You can follow us at Locked On Irish on Twitter. Check us out on there. Uh, the crew will be back tomorrow, and we will have all post-game reaction to the game today. The Holy War is today, 2.30 kickoff in BC. Um, so we'll have all reaction, post-game reaction, all that kind of stuff on tomorrow, that being Sunday. Uh, we'll get it recorded, have it ready for your Monday morning listening into your drive to work. Remember, we are the official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Greg Schaefer. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. I know who I am. We knew that. So uh, real quick, uh, let's talk about that. Uh, jobs I just don't think are all that good in college football. And then we'll get to Notre Dame Toledo and we'll wrap up with uh, Senior Day. Um, or we might splice some topics together before the break. I don't know. We'll see where we'll see where the show goes. You've listened to me ramble before, and then you may have turned me off and never came back. So uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, so I heard this the other day, and I completely disagree. I think the school that I'm going to bring up has just gotten lucky. And uh, I also heard they're interested in Brian Kelly. You may have heard that earlier this week, and I'm going to give you my take on that. But first things first, Florida State. I don't think it's that good of a job. Um, State-wise, yes. But have the Florida schools at this point not proved by after Tim Tebow, I guess you had Jameis, um, you know, some sprinkled in national titles. But now we're pushing, what, we're going on year six, and no other Florida schools made it to the playoff. Miami's still not close. Uh, I don't feel like Florida State's all that all that good of a job. Um, they just fired Willie Taggart midseason, which I don't know what that does for you. I really don't. Um, I'm not a huge fan of firing coaches midseason. Just, eh, I don't see the point, um, especially in year two. It's like, eh, uh, what's the point of all this? You know, let the guy finish it out. Um, I mean, if anything, you're just going to bury um, bury the season as is. I mean, you know, Taggart isn't a terrible coach, but you know, he, he got South Florida on the right track. Then what was he like seven and five at Oregon? Um, and people really thought this guy was going to be the next big thing. And he, he just, 
I don't know. He just never put me in the mind of that great leader. He was almost like a Carl Durrell. If you remember Carl Durrell from uh, UCLA. Like, I just, um, yeah, I just don't think it's that good of a job. And, and you know, he, he, he didn't have that, like, you know, take control of the room personality. And I remember Carl Durrell talking about how he felt like he didn't know where to stand on the sideline as a head coach. Um, and I feel like that about Willie Taggart. Now they got Odell Haggins. It's taken over. He won last week against BC or two weeks ago against BC. The kids like him, but I always disagree outside of Cristobal who's worked out so far with letting the students, student athletes choose the coach. I mean, a lot of these guys were, they're closer. Trust me, let's take it from somebody who covers high school football. These guys are closer to the coordinators because I cover a team that he got a kid committed to a school, smaller D1A school or FBS school, whatever. Um, and I, for the I, they're terrible. And for the life of me, I don't understand it. Um, there's better options in the same town. Uh, I got to be careful because I don't want to. I, I I don't want to bash the decision. I, whatever. But bottom line is, I feel like the reason he chose that school was because of the coordinator. And there's almost a more of a friend bond, uh, real uh, genuine bond between the player and the coordinator. So when these guys take over, the emotions kind of get involved. And I don't think it's a great idea for the school to hire people that, you know, the, the players like. You know, it's worked out for Cristobal so far, but he's very much a disciplinarian. And, you know, he was up for a lot of head coaching jobs even before that. Did a great job at FIU. They were stupid for firing him. Uh, took him back to bowl games and stuff like that. Um, but if you want to know if Florida State's that good of a job, look no further than what is the consensus, who the third best coach in the country is. Um, I, I shouldn't say consensus. There is some debate. Um, Jimbo Fisher, a lot of people think that, that I talked to, and we had a debate on my other show, that he's like the third best coach in the country right now. And he left your program to go to Texas A&M, which I don't feel is that, you know, historically not that great of a job. Now, there's a lot of oil, old oil money down there, and there's a ton of money. I mean, look again, look no further than Elko. You know, we thought Elko was going to be there at Notre Dame for a while as a D coordinator, and for lack of a better term, they backed up a van full of cocaine and hookers, and now look where he's at. He's at Texas A&M. And essentially they did the same thing for Jimbo. But, you know, if it was that great of a job, I don't think he would have left. Um, there was a lot of trouble going on with Jameis, and – there's always something going on there. Um, apparently, they're they're having a lot of financial issues too. Um, but they can somehow come up with a seventeen million dollar buyout. So, I guess be damned the kids and the financial issues, the athletic department. But if we want to get a football coach out, we can collect some money. Dang it! So, whatever. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I just don't. Outside of the the territory it's in, it almost reminds you of UCLA. I mean, yes, they have more historical greatness, and Bowden just worked. But those days are over. You're never going to have a coach stay in one spot for 20, 30 years anymore. Never. Not going to happen. Uh, Kelly's really kind of an outlier at this point, being at a school for 10 years. It's kind of crazy. And then they got lucky and got Jimbo, who was already on the staff. Um, so they're going to struggle, I think. I mean, they're not getting Urban Meyer. Um, another job I don't think is all that great is Miami. Manny Diaz is there, and shoot, at this point, I think Temple's a better job. Now, I know they've improved as the years went on. People are starting to you know put a little more support behind Manny, but the job overall, you don't even have your own stadium. The home field is la home field advantage is laughable. Um, you play at the Dolphins Stadium, which debatable there of you know how great of a stadium that is. It's 
couple minutes from campus. And when I say a couple minutes, like a half an hour. So it doesn't uh, create that great of a home field environment. I, I don't I don't know. And, you know, games are on TV all over the place. It's not just regional anymore. You can watch games on your phone. You know, people use this excuse or ex- reasoning with Notre Dame. Why we fell off a little bit is because used to. Again, you know, I don't have to tell you guys as Notre Dame fans, the early 90s. We did. We, we were the only ones on TV. You know, you go back years before that, before the NBC contract, we're still the only ones on TV. You got your local team, you got a game of the week, and you got Notre Dame. That doesn't exist anymore. Over the last weekend, I watched Merchant Marine and the Coast Guard on my phone. So, D3, Military Academy football. Yeah. I, yes, I'm that much of a college football degenerate, and th- that's possible, just to let you know. So I'm going to circle this back to make it Notre Dame related. And outside of Neuheisel's comment, why I'm bringing this up is the fact that, you know, they said they showed interest in Kelly. And the internet cracks me up for many reasons. But one being they showed interest in Kelly. And some people are like, he's gone. He's out the door. He's going to Florida State. Some people are like, no, he's going to Florida State. No. Others are like, get him out of here. And it's like you do realize it was the school showing interest, not the other way around. To which I say, I'm sure they've shown interest to, in Vince Lombardi at this point. Like, they've probably shown interest in Rockney at this point. They've probably shown interest, and in, realistically, in a lot of people at this point. Doesn't mean Kelly's going anywhere. I think that's a very much a step down as a job. If I see Kelly going anywhere, I think it's the NFL, just because of the rumblings of him, you know, um, having a dream of coaching in the NFL. Whether that's true or not, I have no inside information. I just know what I hear, message boards, and a few people in the know, but nothing, obviously, word of mouth or that I can confirm, but it's just rumors that I've heard and read. You can find them just the same place as I do. So, uh, yeah, I just don't, again, wrap that up. I just don't think Florida State's all that great great of a job. And to say that Kelly's interested, I don't think so. I do believe FSU's interested, but they're probably interested in a lot of people including Belichick. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, you are back with us, Locked on Irish Saturday show. So Notre Dame and Toledo. Again, I tried to tell you it was going to be a close game. Nobody wanted to listen to me. And we pretty much, I mean, I followed most of it on, first half on my phone, watched the second half, watched overtime, uh, we should have lost that game. In my opinion, Toledo just kind of crapped down their leg. That was, uh, I mean, that was just as poor a shooting game as you could ever see. Um, you know, the best thing about that game or most impressive thing was the rebounding, which is as interesting as that can be. Willie Jackson for Toledo had a career-high 20 rebounds, um, four on offense, 16 on defense. John Mooney for Notre Dame had 15. I mean, as impressed as you can be by rebounding, right? Um you know, they didn't really shoot the lights out from three. I thought that um, I thought their shooters would get involved, that being Toledo's shooters, and I thought they'd really, you know, make us pay from three. But Marion Jackson was four of 12. They were six of 27. Uh, when, I, when I first caught a hold of the first half and we were down and, you know, down at halftime by three, I really did think, like, okay, then I was, you know, that's where I'm right is they're just shooting the lights out in there. Um, no, I mean, six of 27 is far from shooting the lights out. One guy had four threes. That's very nice, but it was on 12 attempts, you know, 30, 33% from behind the arc. Uh, Kanapke showed a weakness in our defense. Um, you know, almost seven footer inside played 42 minutes. We gave up 16 points to him. Um, and, and you know, if he was a little more athletic, I think he could have made us pay quite a bit more, um, quite a bit more. Um, I, I just really, 
I really feel like they took advantage of something that's going to be a weakness for us moving forward, especially moving into ACC play. Now, how good is this Toledo team? We don't know. Uh, the MAC is a funny, funny animal. You know, I don't. I think it's probably the worst conference in football. Uh, but in basketball, you know, I'm an OU Bobcat grad, and we've had a few years where with the Sweet 16, you know, Akron's hopped in there. Um, Toledo hasn't made the tournament since 1980. But uh, the MAC has produced some, you know, decent teams over the years and some teams that can surprise you in the tournament if you're not real careful. In this game, you know, it just really felt like it exploited a lot of things on us. It just, you know, one is our shooting. You know, one thing I thought that was going to bail us out this year is we're not that athletic. However, are we going to be able to come out and shoot the lights out on some nights? I hope so. Well, this game said otherwise. We were 31% from the field, 23 of 73. This is a game that went into overtime, and we won 64-62 against a MAC team, okay? Put it in perspective. This is like UVA basketball, only they know how to, they know what they're doing, and they do that on purpose. We shot 73 times. We're trying to score and just can't. Um, Dane Goodwin didn't press me. Four of seven from the three-stripe, or three-stripe, from the behind the three-point line. Uh, 16 points total. He had a nice game, shot almost 50%, 6 of 13 overall. Um, I would definitely would definitely give him the game ball. Um, but even, I mean, we were 8 of 35 from 3. What or what is that? 8 of 35? What? That is crazy. 8 of 35. Can't even process what that is. Disgusting. Disgusting. Um, Carmody, I mean, he was him, had five minutes off the bench. Um, you know, it just, TJ Gibbs still three of 11, one of six from three, Fluger two of 10, just ugly basketball out there on both sides. I mean, I'm not just knocking Notre Dame, both sides brutal. Um, they out-rebounded us on the offensive glass. Uh, they had 13 offensive rebounds. We had nine. We had 37 defensive. They had 44. Just I mean, I watched it because of the material on the jersey, I'll tell you. It, it was tough. It was extremely tough to watch. Now, Fluger just played scrappy as hell out there. Six steals, you know, you can't beat that. Uh, Juwan Durham had three blocks inside um, in 18 minutes of time. You know, we definitely can appreciate that, but only five rebounds overall, four points, two of six. Um, just... I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like the team's got more talent than what they're showing. I mean, that that's just how I feel. I feel like they have way more talent than what they're showing. And what was up with Mooney? One of five from what's up with all of us from the line? I mean, there was literally one of my contributors texted me and said there was a manhole cover on that rim. And toward the end of the game, it looked like it was there for both teams, but you got Mooney missing three foul shots in a row. Ooh. Ooh, just bad basketball, man. Just bad, bad basketball. And, uh, I mean, I don't know where we go from here. I mean, luckily we got the win. And as I alluded to earlier, you know, and I'll talk about the ending here in just a minute. Hang on. It was a great ending. Um, Leshevsky, wow, what a shot. But these are the kind of games we needed to steal um, and definitely take with us because we're not going to have much margin for error. If the tournament, if we're, we're planning on dancing this year, we have very little margin for error. There's just none there for us. So these are the kind of games that we have to get. We cannot have falter against a team like this at all. Because when the tournament time rolls around and you're looking at resumes, you can't just be like, oh, well, they lost like, you know, they were 3-11 and or whatnot in the ACC play. You know, we need these games to kind of back up your resume. If the ACC season kind of 
gets a little sideways, which it might have the potential for this year. And look no further than last season when we had that loss to Radford in the preseason. I mean, you know, not that that made a break us getting in, but you look at that and it's like when you're playing these mid-majors, you can't afford a loss when you're going to be a bubble team at best, you know, or, you know, a 10-11 seed at best. You cannot afford a loss to, to one of these, especially if you go on. I mean, the ACC is no joke. The ACC is legit. There is no way, shape, or form that if we get on a bad stretch, you know, we want we want to be able to fall back on. Well, you know, we were nine and one before we started ACC play, or whatever it is, or you know, we we're ten and two, or whatever it is before we start ACC play. We want to just keep building up those, and we don't want to have those bottom tier losses. Is my point. So you know, you look at the game, and you know, there was a point I almost did it. I almost did it. I almost had to turn it off because I was like. Not only are we going to lose, and I was right. Sometimes I hate being right, but we're going to lose by a significant amount. I mean, they jumped out there at one point. It was 41-34, and we looked like we had no life. We hopped back into it, 41-40, went on a little run, and then we were just consistently just down seven, you know, down three. Um, just, you know, consistently just down. Um, didn't really have an answer for them. Again, it looked like there was a freaking lid on the on the rim. And then it happened. The ball gets jammed in the side of the hoop by uh, T.J. Gibbs' shot, and we got a freaking – I mean, when does that ever happen? Jump ball situation. Jump ball situation. And, you know, it looks like, all right, we're going to throw in 1.1 seconds or whatever it was. And Leshevsky with just the heave. Who's seen that coming? I mean, we're talking about a guy who was 2 of 7 from behind 3 uh, on the night. 3 of 9 overall. I mean, he, he was, what is he? Is he 4 of 24 on the season? Uh, let me look at 4 of 23 on the season from three and just a prayer to send this thing to overtime. Then we get into overtime, and again, John Mooney, there's a lid on the rim apparently. Can't hit foul shots. You know, they go up by a little bit, and, you know, we kept them within striking distance. And really, I think Toledo just panicked. They just looked like they panicked. They looked like they, they, they didn't look gassed. But it also looked like, I will say this, I try not to be totally pessimistic, but, you know, it looked like all of a sudden the better athletes started to take over that game. It did. It really did. It looked like a MAC team, a mid-upper tier MAC team playing against a mid-tier ACC team, which should be out, you know, in favor of the ACC team all day, every day, twice on Sunday, uh, to use an old saying there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's how it should be. And that's exactly what it looked like. It looked like we did find another gear. I don't know how much of another gear, but I, I feel a little bit better um, knowing that I feel like they turned it on and made them look like they couldn't compete. Now, as far as the ball going in the rim, <laughs> whatever. But, I mean, you're looking at two steals from TJ Gibbs in the final 35 seconds, and, oh, that backdoor cut and Rex Fluger on the layup to go ahead with 25 seconds was fantastic. I mean, you know, uh, who knows? We need to be able to do that against higher-level competition. I do know that. That That is 100% for sure if we're going to be able to compete in the ACC. But, you know, the defense down the stretch, we just smothered them and uh, really just took the game from them. I mean, they, they had that one, one you know, 99% of the time. They're, they're winning that game. Um, actually, I have up ESPN's win probability here. How high was it? At one point... They were had a ninety-two and a half percent win percentage, being up fifty-two forty-five with three twenty-one to go. 
These are always interesting. I would love to work on one of these committees. They were at 85 and a half, up 54-51. So, yeah, we got the win. Fairly Dickinson coming on Tuesday, whoever that guy is. Uh, and we'll have a preview of that game on Monday. So uh, let's take a break, and then we'll get right back to talking about the seniors on senior day. All right, Irish fans, back at it. Last segment of the show. Um, I wanted to get to this. It stuck out to me. I know it's not original material. I didn't come up with it. But um, Tim O'Malley um, wrote this article about ranking the senior class play in their last game at Notre Dame Stadium today. Um, you know, class came in. Uh, a lot of, you know, one five-star guy in there, Tommy Kramer. You know, not the best class overall um, that we've ever had, but, you know, some really, really nice players that were mixed into this batch. This class was ranked 13th overall. According to Rivals, that's what I use. The article actually doesn't say. I know they might use 247. Well, I'm sure they do. Irish Illustrated is a two, uh, 24-7 site. Uh, I do not see an overall ranking here. Our highest-ranked player, of course, Tommy Kramer, uh, number 26 player in the entire country. Number 80 uh, player overall was Leon I- Liam Eikenberg. Eikenberg says he's coming back. That'd be great. Um, let's see here before I get into the rankings. Anything other significant? What do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine four-stars. The rest were three stars, um, and then Gilman well, came on. You know, he's part of this class. Uh, we don't know if he'll come back next year. Of course, he went to Navy, and uh, yeah, just went to Navy, and then you know, kind of developed into a player that he thinks he can go to the NFL. Um, Julian Love was a part of this class. Um, that's, I mean, that's a definite steal right there. It was great to get him. He he was only a three star, ranked 480 overall in the country. Uh, the lowest-ranked player in the class, of course, the long snapper John Shannon, but uh, was uh, Jameer Jones, who's really been solid this year in, in a backup backup role. I mean, he's come in and you know filled in where needed. And you know, Dalen Hayes goes down, and jo- Julian Aquara goes down for the season. So uh, yeah, that you know really got some nice production as far as development out of him. Um, it says most career games played in this class is actually Jalen Elliott, and I want to touch on Jalen for just a second. You know, Jalen, I watched him in the 2017 uh, Citrus Bowl against LSU. And I'll tell you, that kid, and I'm just going to call him out, and I'll call it out like I've seen it. He looked like he shouldn't even be on a Division One roster. Um, we've had a couple guys like that that have developed into nice players. Nick Coleman comes to mind. 2016 against Duke, it looked like he was on skates against Duke. Um but him and Jalen both developed, and just speaking about Jalen specifically now, a captain and a guy that I worry about like getting hurt or whatever. It's like I can't even believe I feel this way about Jalen Elliott. Like after what I seen in 2017, you know, a little bit in 2016. Now it's like, oh my goodness, this guy's a reliable, not even reliable. He's a stud back there. I mean, you know, keeping guys like um, uh, Derek Allen off the field and you know other guys behind him. It, it's incredible that. He's developed into the player that he had. And I apologize, not Derek Allen, but um, Houston Griffith comes to mind. But Derek Allen, I mean, he you know, buried on the depth chart at safety. Um, you know, ended up transferring. But uh, Houston Griffith, guys that you would have seen early on as high, more heavily recruited, better overall athlete, and Jalen Elliott's kept him off the field. So uh, you know, let's get to the rankings here of how uh, Tim O'Malley has has these guys ranked. Um, now, if you remember, Parker Boudreaux was part of this class. Um, Spencer Perry. 
part of this class as well. Perry actually went, remember he went to South Alabama, had 19 tackles in eight games last year, and now he's at Northern Iowa and not even on the two deep at Northern Iowa. Um, so that's, that's kind of crazy. Um, that is an older article I'm referencing. So if anybody has any other information, don't be afraid to tweet at the show. Um, DJ Morgan, another guy, you know, lower ranked guy on this list. Stud still transferred, to uh, um, South Florida, Jonathan Jones. He, he's still there, but you know, late bloomer, who knows if he, he has a fifth year of eligibility left, but I don't know if he'll be asked to come back. It'll be interesting to see out of the guys eligible who, how many fifth years we give out. Uh, as far as the names that you guys know, I mean, one that sticks out right now is Javon McKinley. You know, he's going to be going into his fifth year and has shown flashes this year, but against far, 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 far from elite talent. You know, every time there's even a step up at all, Duke comes to mind. We'll see what we see later today against Boston College, but still to this point, if it's not named Bowling Green or New Mexico, we've not seen him step up yet. Um, one that really makes me wonder, um, Dante Vaughn's mentioned, you know, it's, it's the, the article states, you know, it's hard to ignore the lows, but he's definitely played some solid games. And, you know, he's a guy that just, you know, isn't that elite guy, but he, he you know, he fills the role decently. You know, he's, he's just an average college player. Um, and a lot of guys, trust me, a lot of guys would pray to be an average college player at Notre Dame. Uh, Dion McIntosh, man, got in trouble up there, stole some things, got booted off the team, ended up at EMCC. Uh, it's last chance you for my last chance you fans out there. He's actually up at Washington State right now. Uh, I'm not getting a crazy amount of time. You know, he's got 14 carries in the season, 97 yards and a touchdown. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see how his career pans out. He should have another year-ish of eligibility left. Um, really balled out at EMCC. And as you know, that's, you know, one of the leaders in the house as far as uh, Juco ball. Um, you know, but get jumping into the top 10 of this class, you know, you got guys like Tommy Kramer, um, he's right. They ranked him number 10 overall in this class. Uh, Dalen Hayes at nine, he'll come back next year and should be a captain. Uh, Troy pride at number eight, you know, you know, pride's just been, you know, invaluable, you know, converted track guy, you know, it's hard to convert those track guys from that straight line speed. And he's been one of the guys that's been able to do it, especially at corner with all the change of direction you need is it's really incredible what he's done. Jalen Elliott, you know, they mentioned him as like the most improved player. Um, Elohi Gilman, you know, they say borderline all American from 2018. Um, you know, he's definitely taken a step back. Um, I think he should come back for a fifth year. Um, that's going to be up to him. But I really, really think it could be in his best interest. And, you know, if we could get Gilman prior on the field with, like, Houston Griffith and Kyle Hamilton, I mean, wow, what a what a secondary core right there. Um, Ian Book is on this list. Chase Claypool actually at five. Khalid Kareem, Julian Aquara, they have listed at three, two. And then at one, of course, Julian Love. And they mentioned, you know, Khalid Kareem being number two on the list is really more so because of Aquara and his injuries. I think Yes, that. But Julian Aquara, he was a late bloomer. I mean, he came on toward the end of 18, mid to the end of 18, and then had a lot of high expectations, had some flashes pre-18. But as far as overall production, I, I got to give that to Khalid Kareem. You know, there's a lot of hype behind Aquara, um, a lot of good numbers behind Aquara, clearly. Um, you know, it's, you know, 14 and a half sacks, that's very hard to argue with. Um but, you know, tackles for loss, he was at 23, Khalid Kareem 25. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say 2-3 based on, 
you know, based on that, the fact that one had a lot more injuries than the other one did. Um, you know, another guy in this class that, you know, you might forget about is Kevin Stefferson. I mean, the speed and the vision and just the elusiveness that he had. I mean, just, you know, wow. Just wow. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate. Could never get his head on straight. I, I hate get that, you know, as I was never that talented, just naturally. You know, I spent first guy in, last guy out of the weight room. I know I'm d- dating myself, but I worked my butt off for what little I could get. You know, barely sub four seven forty, and you know, trying to find a position that fit. You know, at least in the defensive side of the ball, and you know, ha- I just wasn't naturally gifted at football. I had another sport I was better about at, but I'm, this is a Notre Dame podcast, not a Greg Schaefer podcast. You can catch that one anytime you want. Follow me around with a camera, pay me. Well, I'll do a reality show. But the bottom line is, you know, I wasn't naturally talented. I developed what I had on my own. And to see a guy like Kevin Stefferson just waste it, um, you know, it, it very very unfortunate. That's for sure. Um, tweet at the show. You know, we're running out of time here. But tweet at the show at Locked On Irish. Let us know your favorite player from 2016 class that's playing their last game at Notre Dame Stadium today. And not only that, tweet at the show and let us know who you think the best player from this class is. In my opinion, I don't disagree. I think Julian Love. He's definitely the best player. Uh, Ian Book, um, you know, I, I love what he's done because I had low expectations for him. I thought that Jerkovic would put him out and we would, you know, he would jump Jerkovic or Jerkovic would jump Book and that would just be the end of that, you know. It, it, I didn't really think we'd get this much Ian Book and possibly even another year of Ian Book. Um, Khalid Kareem's always been impressive. Chase Claypool was my favorite one from this class. Just his story of how they found him and he was playing basketball and Kelly had a tip from somebody that from somebody from somebody and they went up to Canada to see him and they offered him and you know he's a Canadian guy and you know, football's a little different up there, but and to be able to pull him down to to the States and go to South Bend and be as productive as he is and he's gonna be playing on Sundays. Um, definitely Chase is hundred percent my favorite player from this class. And we're gonna see a few of these guys back. You know, this will they'll walk on senior day twice, a couple of these guys, Dalen Hayes being one of them. So, uh, all right, guys, that wraps up the show today. We're right up against it. Uh, appreciate everybody. Go Irish today. Beat those Eagles. Beat back up college. Remember, my prediction was 42-14. to 14. So I hope you all love the show. Again, follow us at Locked On Irish, the official Notre Dame podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, giving you five shows a week, five shows every week, football and basketball season. We might scale back a little bit in the offseason. That's our wheelhouse, though. Five shows every week, football season, basketball season. Follow us. Give us a follow. Build this following up. Let the people know the best, yes, the best Notre Dame podcast is out there. You just don't know about it yet. So go Irish today. Let's get that 42-14, make Greg look good. We'll be back tomorrow, Sunday, with our reaction. Well, we'll be back tomorrow to record it. Release on Monday, our reaction and analysis uh, and breakdown and all that stuff. The whole team will be here, me, Mark, Will, to break it all down and let you know what we think, ready to go for your Monday morning drive. So until then, go Irish.